Chicago is more than great food, iconic sports, legendary music, and crooked politicians. It's a community of people who, at their core, care about one another and their city. We're chatting with new and native Chicagoans about all things local on The Chicagoan Podcast. Good morning, guys. Thank you for joining Mary Kay Kleist, CBS2 anchor and meteorologist. Mm -hmm. 30 years of experience, four Emmy Awards. I am so honored to have you as a friend, as a guest here, and thank you for your time today. Of course. It's always fun to hang around with you. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. So uh, I want to lead today's uh, discussion on how inspirational you are as a woman in your career, as a mother, as a businesswoman, and if we can take the conversation on each silo and talk about that further. Of course. So first, uh, four Emmy Awards. You are an expert in your industry you speak really well. What can the younger generation or us Chicagoans learn from you to make your our skills better? Right? You speak so well. You write so well. What's the uh, top five factors I would say that caused you to be so successful in that? I think it had to do with my mentor back when I was in college, because she would do the weather so easily and so conversationally. And then she would take me on her public speaking engagements. And I would be so curious of what is she going to say to this group? Or how is she going to address this group? And then on camera in the studio, she would, it's all ad lib, as you know, there's not a script. Correct. And I thought, how do you really pull into the viewer? So the viewer feels like you're talking to just them, not when you're landing at Midway and you see the homes for the half hour that's in our viewing area, and you think of this grand audience. And she always gave me the advice, and it's so good. You think of the one person in your life who will never judge you, will always wants to hear what you have to say, wants the very best for you. That was my grandmother. Okay. And she said, picture you're talking only to your grandmother, nobody else. And now my grandmother's older, obviously, so you want to talk slower more clearly, but I know her. So I want to tell her about the weather and I want to grab her and engage her and hug her through the camera. And when you start doing that and you picture your one favorite person on the planet, it's simple. And then people watching you at home feel like you're talking to just them. And they could be running around chasing their kids in their underwear, getting dressed. And they feel like, she's talking to me, just me and nobody else. And I think that is the secret sauce in like trying to engage Perfect, perfect. So your career, if we can start off, how, where did you start? How did you get this idea and why? Right. 30 years ago, women did not do the weather. It was not very common. I grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, watching Milwaukee and Chicago TV. So the weathermen, to me as a kid, were all old science teachers. That's what I yeah. thought as a kid, right? And they're older than my parents, some of them. I never thought of it as a career. And then to fast forward to where I was going to go to college, my brother was a music major at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and auditioned for Disney and got a part in the All-American College Orchestra. So my parents, being teachers in Kenosha, said, hey, we don't work all summer. Let's all go to Disney and get jobs, and we can watch him perform. So my dad drove the monorails. (laughs) My mom worked at a gift shop in the castle, and I was a lifeguard at the Grand Floridian when it opened, right? So I stay down there because I make all these friends in summer. I say, I want to go to UCF, University of Central Florida, and I'm going to be an air traffic controller. I just was amazed with flight and sky, and I always thought that would be cool. I love organization. I love stress and, and just making fast decisions. So I thought I would do that. Well, I was doing my prerequisites in the first two years, 
Hurricane Hugo was about to hit Daytona Beach. And being from Kenosha, I didn't really know what to do. People were sandbagging, people were evacuating, and I thought, wow, what do I do? Well, a good lifeguard friend of mine at Disney was born and raised in Miami. At the time, he was doing an internship at CBS in Orlando in sports, wanting to be a sports anchor. And he told me the night it was going to bear down, he said, why don't you come to CBS? Just volunteer with the Red Cross. You'll be safe. There's a generator. It's a safe building. There's people. There's water. There's information. And you won't be scared. And I thought, sounds good to me. So I went. I was assigned randomly the weather office. There, there were about 10 of us on a table. Now, this is 1989. So we're answering phones, <laughs> reading AP, Associated Press, wire copy, and answering questions to the viewers that called in saying where it hit, where it's going, whatever. And if we had a question, we could put them on hold and wait until the chief meteorologist was off the air and ask the question and get the answer and relay it. It was like a light switch. I was waiting and I turned and I knew this, but it I didn't really know it till that minute. Their chief meteorologist was a 26-year-old female. I'm 18 answering these phones, and she could have been my sister. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. She is, this matters. This is something. And so we stayed all night. The hurricane, as you know, hit the Carolinas. It missed Orlando and Daytona Beach, so we weren't at a threat. And we stayed all night. And next morning, she thanked us all for our, you know, volunteers. It was me and a bunch of people that were over 80. And so they all went home. And I said to her, do you have an internship? Like my friend Rob is doing down the hall in sports. And she said, no, but today we're going to make that. And so she talked to the bosses and set it up so I could be a fly on the wall and just watch her work and learn everything. And then I started studying meteorology my last two years of school and broadcasting because I think to tell a good story, um, meteorology is a delicate dance for TV because you must know the science, have all the certifications possible, but you have to be able to tell an interesting story, right? Otherwise, people will turn the channel. So she's my mentor in life. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and when you received your internship and progressed in your career, what did you do to perfect your skill? I mean, you're speaking so well. And so what do other men and women in the industry, in entrepreneurship, they have to speak well, present mm-hmm. well. What can we do to continuously perfect our skill? And what did you do to perfect your skill? Well, you and I know each other a lot from the gym. Yeah. And it's like reps of a workout, (laughs) right? The more you do it, the more comfortable you are. Okay. And I felt like the more things I could do, even as a student, I would volunteer to speak in front of things. For instance, Disney hosted this regatta of beautiful sailboats. And my boss in the lifeguard stand at the Grand Floridian, knew I was getting into broadcasting. And he said, we need an MC for it. Now they were going to pay me. I don't care. I wanted to do it. So I was able to MC that or kind of orchestrate something where you're the person talking. And it's funny, if I showed you a videotape of my resume tape when I was in college, my voice was way bigger and I was going 1,000 miles an hour and I was just moving so fast that nobody could see me. You know, And a few people during my internships in the newsroom would say, stop, you're killing me. Your voice, it it's like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> you got to bring it down. You got to slow it down. People are busy. They're distracted. You have to draw them in. And then you have to talk to them. You're not talking above them because you know all the science. You're talking to them. So it's almost like your conversation, even during tornado coverage, should feel like this or a coffee shop or you and I at the gym, just talking. And that's how you continuously perfected. Beautiful. Thank you. Let's talk about you being a woman back in the day. Oh, yeah. It was tough. And there was mm-hmm. not a lot of 
Exactly. So how do you get your first TV job? That's tricky too. You have no experience, right? I had a great intern tape though, because I was the longest standing intern (laughs) in Orlando. (laughs) Because my mentor, she was at CBS and she said, you still have junior, senior year. You go across the street to NBC or ABC and do a news internship because your first job, you're going to have to do everything, right? So I said, okay. So I went to ABC. They hired me as an intern. I didn't sit in the corner and just answer the phone. If you're about to anchor the show, I said, Oh, can I get your scripts? Can I, do you need coffee? Can, oh, I'll go get your dry cleaning or whatever. And then if a crew was going to watch a shuttle launch, that's probably the best experience of my life besides having kids. Anyway, I would ask the crews, can I come? And I'll, I'll set up the live shot. I'll drag the cables through the, you know, 100 degree heat and humidity. And then they appreciate it because they knew I was there to work and just to learn and do what ever job possible. So after we dragged all the cable for all the live shots and they did the the big launch, I would say to the photographer, can I shoot a quick stand up? Just a 10 second thing. Cause then I would, I taught myself how to edit. So later I could edit that story and put it on my resume tape. So my resume tape had a lot of cool stories like that, that I ended up doing myself eventually, you know, in the edit bay after they were finished with the raw footage. So when it came to, you know, be graduation day at UCF, my parents came down for the summer to work at Disney and they said, well, you know, we're not going to pay your rent here in Florida forever. What are you going to do? And my dad and I jumped in the car. We drove to 25 TV stations with those bulky three quarter inch tapes and a paper resume. And we started from Orlando in Savannah. We went through Macon, Augusta, all the way west to Baton Rouge and Tallahassee, Gainesville, all those small markets. And I just knocked on the door and said, hi, I just graduated. I'm ready. Here's my resume tape. Do you have experience? No, but I was such a great intern and I can start tomorrow. You don't have to move me. You don't have to fly me around. So we did that for six days and got back. Nobody offered me a job. And two weeks later, the very first TV station in Savannah offered me a position. Now, if they would have done that right in the beginning, I would have told you, all you do is show up. They'll hire you. <laughs> you know, so it was better to have that pain of going through all those little interviews, so to say, because nobody turned me away. Everybody said, she drove here? I'll, okay, I'll talk to her. And they were like, what? What'd you do? <laughs> so I got that first job in Savannah, and I was doing news Monday through Friday, but as a one-man band. That meant I was the photographer too. So I dragged all the heavy equipment to a murder, a fire, a shooting. And then on Sundays, I did the weather because that was the only show on the weekends. And I had studied some meteorology and was interested in that as well. But I thought, maybe I'll be a news reporter. Maybe I'll do some kind of version of both. I'll tell you, after about eight months of knocking on doors, the people going through tragedy, I couldn't take it. It wasn't me. I think I had the teacher in me of my parents where I wanted to teach a lesson. And the seven-day or a storm coverage is just that. And so I enjoyed that more. So then I came up here to Chicago to CLTV News when Tribune launched the 24-hour news channel. And they gathered all these kids in their 20s that were in a smaller market but ready for a little something bigger. And we all got to work together to launch that. And that was the best experience because it was only a weather job for me. It was meteorology. Wasn't fully certified, but a couple of good things happened there. I met my husband. We started dating. And then I applied for a job in Tampa. And that's where it was a meteorology job that I joined the American Meteorological Society and got all my certifications. Because I thought as a young female, nobody's going to take me serious. Because you walk in there, it's all men. And here I come, I'm 23 and a half. And they're like, 
what is this? You know? <laughs> so if, if you, I figure if you learn everything and just load yourself with all that knowledge, but then you can also tell people the weather story too. I think that balance is important. And I think a lot of the men would throw the jargon around and try to be a know-it-all. And that's where they were selling themselves short because then your audience can't relate to that because that's not how you talk to people, right? Correct. So that's why I got the certifications as high as possible. One day I ended up sitting on the board of the American Meteorological Society for a a term. It's a four-year term and did that. Um, Extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you. So I tried to do as much as possible to learn to be serious. And extremely dedicated. Let's talk about your Emmy Awards. Yeah. You don't mention them a lot, and I'm so proud of you, Thank you. for that. You have four Emmy Awards. Mm-hmm. If you can give a quick overview, that's that was is that was that your peak of your success? It was. All right, let's talk about that. Yes, because as you know, um, Chicago is the third largest market in the country. New York's first, L.A., then Chicago. Okay. Savannah's 99. That's where I started, which is okay because there's 212 markets. Missoula, Montana's the dinkiest. (laughs) But here I am in Chicago, and now I'm with Mark, my husband, and we want to raise our kids in Chicago. So when we were down in Tampa dating, we got married in Florida. Then my agent found a job for me in Detroit. That's where my husband is from, that area. So it was beautiful to have a baby we brought our baby daughter, and then we had our baby son there with all the in-laws and cousins around. And then we said, now from Detroit, you can get to Chicago because it's a bigger market, and we'll raise our kids here. And we were so blessed to spend 20, it'll be 21 years, November 2nd for me, that I'll have been at CBS in Chicago, which is shocking. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and I never had an intention to go to New York or L.A. because want, we wanted to be in Chicago. So when the uh, big tornado outbreak happened, I think it was April 9th of 2015, it, it was awful. There were multiple tornadoes, tore up the town of Fairdale, Fairdale, which is west of Chicago, and we went into extended coverage. And that was the night when we won Emmys. I mean, I think I talked for five hours straight wow. on the air because it was so critical. You know, it was just so critical. Can we talk about the Emmys, the exact awards? Yes. So, okay, that night, um, we won three, which is kind of unusual wow. because one was for a group, like our whole, everybody working on the show coverage won a group Emmy. So of course I was part of that because we were driving the coverage nice. in the meteorology department, right? And then we won a second one for just our weather team on a severe weather special that we did. But I think the one I was most proud of was was best meteorologist. And Got an I, on that one. Thank you. And put together a composite of you know everything I do, and and just that night of the Emmys to accept that award, it was cool because that night I was actually nominated for four, and I won three that night, and that one by myself was like, okay, that proves then that you kind of know what you're doing because for five hours there's already no weather script, right? But there are computer models, and there is a lot of generated data for you that helps tell the weather story like for today, which isn't a big deal weather-wise. But when it comes down to it and you have tornadoes on the ground, you either know how to drive and and do the radar on site and you're sort of dissecting each cell as it comes through and communicating that message of where's the cell going, what is it doing, is it multiplying, is it changing direction, where's it headed, what should you do at home? You know, that's when you're just in it. And nobody's helping you. There aren't producers. There aren't other weather people. It's just you talking and dissecting the radar live, basically. So that's why that meant so much, because I knew I was helping people take cover and, you know, save lives in that. Awesome. Thank you. And so. so proud of you and continued success. 
One of the inspirations I have also, sort of being a mentor of mine, is you have an exceptional relationship with Mark, who's part yes. of ABC as well. Um, it's an inspiration, right? Yes. You, what do you tell the younger younger crowd to build that relationship and where to find a partner like that and how it's so perfect? Are you, give us some feedback. Are you continuously working on each other? Are you guys both doing personal development to nurture that, make that relationship stronger? What do you, what do you guys do? Well, we have been married almost 28 years. Okay? okay. So we met when we were in our early 20s at CLTV. Neither one of us had a great big career, big name, big anything or money. So it was perfect. We were like two kids and we're going to change the world and we're in this together and we're going to take on the world. So it, it was like the two of us. And we thought, you know, he had priorities that lined up with mine. We're both super uh, spiritual and religious. We both love to do a lot of the same things like work out. We like to we just live similar lives. But I think as we got together, it was so interesting because nobody tells you, too, that they're the family of the person ends up in your life a lot, right? For holidays and once you have children um, in birthdays and events that are going on with your kids. And it was so odd because I felt like I knew half of his family when I met them because I was like, wait, are these relatives or what is this? Because there were so many similarities. And we were both in TV. Now, that could be good or bad. Some people say it's better not to because then you don't dwell on that at home. And it might be better to be married to somebody else who's a teacher or a policeman or a lawyer or whatever. But we always felt like then we understood each other because our shifts and schedules were so crazy, you know, overnights and doubles and morning shows and weekend shifts that it was understood what the other person was going through. And we never talk about work at home. We just never did. But I think as our marriage evolved and the children came into the world, we never had the same days off all those years in Naperville. I worked weekends. He worked Monday through Friday. Yet every Friday, you can ask our kids, what's family movie night? That meant Very nice. We never, Mark and I never went on like a weekly date. I know a lot of people believe in that and that's neat, but we didn't do that. We wanted to be home with the kids and we would do a, a themed movie night. It started with Disney and then got to be, you know, PG-13 <laughs> as it morphed into that. But we would do some kind of food, like it, whether it be, you know, Asian food or I would try to cook Mexican food or Mark would grill out a whole bunch of stuff. And we would watch the movie in our pajamas and eat dinner and just be cozy at home. So everybody was home. But there was a lot of um, time with the kids, uh, each one of us alone, when we the other person was at work. But I think the bottom line to um, a great relationship is you can't keep score. Okay, so you can't say, you always do this and you never do that. And you that solves nothing. Instead, it's better to try to outdo each other. So... Yes. If he knows I had a heck of a double shift and I stayed at the city in a hotel and I'm driving back to Naperville beat, you know, he'll have grocery shopped or he'll have um, cooked something I love or he'll have just gassing up the car, warming up the car for me or just those little, little, little things. And we would never argue about stuff. Instead, we were a team and we would always pitch in. But I think that was the goal. Instead of keeping score about what the person didn't do is we would try to outdo each other. Because that's my favorite person, and I want to do everything for him, and he's going to do everything for me. Excellent. So. Excellent advice, mm -hmm. which I'm going to incorporate. Never try to outdo each other. Let's talk about, um, again, being a woman and raising a family and having an extraordinary mm -hmm. career. There's a lot of women watching this or hearing this. There's a presumption or a notion you can't have both family 
and a career nowadays. Mm-hmm. How did you manage both so successfully having amazing kids, both I'm friends with, and an amazing career? How did you do that and what tips would you have for us? I think it's how we watched our parents raise us because our parents are all four amazing and blessed that they're all still here. But um, with the kids at a very young age, we taught them responsibility. I mean, this is a little crazy, but when they were in first and third grade, okay, we're in Naperville raising the kids. We work in downtown Chicago, of course, at the TV stations with weird shifts. There was about almost a year time period, and they're in first and third grade. Mark needs to be at WGN by 6 a.m., okay, from Naperville. I need to be at CBS at 2 (laughs) a.m. So what do you do do with the kids? And they're going to a Catholic school, so there's no bus. And they have to get up, get get it together. We had a little dog. It was like, okay, and how do they get there, right? Because nobody can drive them. Well, being at this great Catholic school in Naperville, one of the teachers lived around the corner. So we asked her, could you drive the kids to school every day? Okay, sure. You know, she goes, I'll just buzz by and and give her a garage door opener and she would let them in and drive them to school. And then I'd be back by noon so I could pick them up later when they were done. Well, it turns out the kids would get up on their own with their alarms and Mark would call them. They would make their beds. They would take care of the dog, eat something, just rinse the dishes, get their backpacks, which we had set out. We're very organized, our family. And and they would grab their backpacks, jump in the car, and go to school. And they knew to shut the garage door, and the teacher made sure the garage door shut. And then about eight months later, the teacher was saying something to me like, oh, I'm going to renovate my kitchen. You know, what do you have in yours? I thought, what do you mean what do I have in our – you've been driving our kids for a year. Just look at my kitchen. She goes, I've never been in your house. I'm like, what? And she said, the kids are always ready. They always run out of the house and jump in the car. So it taught them at a very young age that – Yes, you know, mom and dad are busy, but we're all in this together. And we would thank them and congratulate them on such a good job of being organized and ready. Our kids always made their beds, but it's never a nag. It's more of a an encouragement with everything. And then the children feel heard. That's the other thing, raising kids and working, is you can't shush them along or rush them away because you're busy and you might be exhausted and busy. And of course I am all that. And the commute, you know, is one animal in its own. But with the kids, if they're telling me something, whether they're 5 or 15, I stop the world and look in their eyes because I want to hear them and want to hear everything they're saying, no matter what it is. So I think our kids have always felt heard, and that allowed them to brainstorm in life and allowed them to express themselves and to talk to us if something was bothering them. Awesome. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Again, such an inspiration and mentor, both career, personally, professionally. I have a lot of mentees, and they ask me this this question. Would you recommend to go in the entrepreneurship route or continue schooling, right? Um, We have mutual friends. You know both sides. You have children. Your family is very educated, but you also have a lot of entrepreneurs in your family. Give us some guidelines or advice when I have mentees or younger folks saying go to school or open a business. What would you say? That's a good one. Yeah, you got me there because, as you know, my husband, me, we we were old school of get your degree, mail in your box tops, get your prize, but none of that mattered. Nobody cares where I went to school, right? They cared about where did you intern, what does your resume tape look like, can you connect with this, and do you have your certifications? Okay, so certifications are through the American Meteorological Society, not a university, so it was different. But for us, it was different because I think – you know, with the internships, we made the most of it. But fast forward now to our kids. Our kids are 23 and 25. 
Okay. One child did the route, graduated, is in a job. She's going to do what we did probably, a long-term 401k job, you know, small raises and and solid, but typical, right? Our son threw us for a curve. He did two years of school and then had a big powwow with us in a real positive way and said, I'm launching this VR game I've been creating on the side and it's taking off. It was during COVID. People were sitting home watching Netflix and playing video games anyway. And so he launched the game and gosh darn it, it just took off in an amazing way. And he said, they can't teach this in school. And now I'm building other parts of my business. Um, So it's a different world today, I think. And college, he... I don't know. He gave us a speech that, you know, don't waste all the money and get caught up in all the marketing because I don't need that for what I'm doing in life. And he kind of proved that to us by going that route. So I thought that was interesting. So I think you have to look at what the situation is and make sure that you're not selling yourself short if you don't do the school route and you get into a role and you can't meet the certifications to advance or to... You know what I mean? Further yourself in that world. But if that doesn't matter, and like his world is so technical that he's learning all that stuff so fast, and it's it's light years ahead of anything they would teach in school. So that works. Excellent. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. What's the ne- next chapter for you um, as we end our show? What's, what's next for you? Okay. I would love to find something. I don't know if it exists because my whole world, I've been doing this for 30 years. My first day of work was the day Hurricane Andrew hit South Florida. August 24th, 1992. I'll never forget that day. My parents were down with me in Orlando, packing up my apartment and driving me to Savannah. They were getting on a plane and leaving me there for my first job, right when the whole state was evacuating for the hurricane. So that's been a long time in this career. And along the way, I picked up an agent who's amazing. And it's always a, a tactical decision of where do we want to be? What kind of market do I want to live in? And I really wanted to be here and raise a family here. And we did that. So I've been here, as I mentioned, just about 21 years. And so I would love to find something where I can use the speaking, the communication, the inspiration. I just don't know that world. <laughs> like I know TV. <laughs> Are you scared? Is there a lot of course. Of, okay. of course. Wow. For the first time. Because it's easy if I need a TV job, I just tell him where we want to move and figure it out, you know. And then you have to wait for an opening and hope you're the right fit and hope they need a female and blah, blah, blah. Mary Kay, I am so honored to have you as a friend. You're an inspiration. Keep it up. I'm here to help. And anything you have, is there a way people can contact you via email or social media? Sure. If you just go on our CBS website, it's cbschicago.com. And my email is mkleist at cbs.com. But you can search my face and just click it and email me. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you.